0: Um, before we start today um, I feel like there's something that we just need to pray for collectively as a group and uh, you may or may not be aware that there's gonna be a gathering tomorrow at State Capitol Um, one that I think has the potential to be ugly but we're gonna pray that that doesn't happen Um, and so if you would just join with me I'd like to kind of pray as a group uh, for that so father I, I just pray your manifest presence would be at our state capitol tomorrow as all of these people gather. Father, it is perfectly okay to have differing opinions, but um, as we're going to talk about later, it's important that we remember that we are, uh, are are supposed to be united. And so, Father, I just pray that a blanket of peace covers that entire crowd tomorrow, that there is... Uh, not a single episode of violence that gets uh, that gets recorded or noticed in any way. Father, let let us understand that it's okay to think differently, but it's not okay to uh, let that thinking escalate into violent action. So just bless that event, Father. Bless all the groups that will gather. And just let it be a time of, of peace and expression with uh, no violence. Just give you thanks, Father, and ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Uh, Harry Potter, where'd you go? Mary came up to me right as worship was ending and said she felt like God had something that uh, she wanted, he wanted her to, to share, so uh, I said, well, let's wait and do it now.
1: It's not like a prophetic word, but have you ever come to a place where you realize you've really not given yourself to Jesus, where there's something you've been holding back and you realize that you really don't want to give it because it hurts? Um, God has been taking me to a new place to lay down some more stuff in my life, some control, things I didn't know I had. It's incredibly hard. But I'm lucky to have John who's seeing me through it. And I wanna tell you what the secret is, because God has given us a superpower. All power resides with him, We, we depend on him But the superpower that he has given us is the power of choice. I tend to be visceral with feelings, so I tend to move by feeling, and that is not wise. The road to really giving ourselves to him, coached by my husband, (laughs) is choosing God's choice over my feelings at any time. That's it. And it's not always fun. John tells me that it gets easier because what you start doing in obedience will eventually become a joyful giving because you know and trust the one who is taking care of you. So I wanted to tell you all that because it's so simple and we should all know it, but I just have been having trouble. And the other thing I wanted to tell you is that It's so much easier if you have someone on board helping you with this. So if you're not with someone in your life day to day, find a mentor, find someone you see. It doesn't have to be your best friend. It probably shouldn't be your best friend. They may be just like you. You never know. (laughs) Find someone who knows the drill that you can talk to at least once a week and get feedback on how you're doing. It is a shaky process. But because it's so hard, there's blessing in the middle of it and on the other side. That's mm-hmm. all.
0: Thank you. Because we're in the, uh, this I Love My Church series, um, we've been having um, some videos that we've been showing you, and we have another one uh, today. So let's take a look.
1: why I love my church. Um, The reason I love my church is because of the wonderful sense of family that I have always felt here. I moved here about four years ago from out of state and I was a stranger in a strange land and I don't have any family here in the area and Harmony was that family to me and I joined a small group and had great fellowship there and it's also been a really wonderful place to grow my faith and I've always just felt so supported and have built wonderful friendships here and know that if I need anything I have uh, people I could call who would help me so the um, sense of family is the biggest reason I love my church thanks guys
0: Thank you Lindsay so Nick had a question that he posted at the end of that video why do you love your church my slides aren't working there we go um, I'm actually going to give everybody a chance today to say so if you wish um, if you would like to share a way in which the church has impacted you in some way um, I would just invite you now to come.
1: I don't start. I'm not You know that about me. <laughs> um, except I hate microphones.
0: It's all right. We mean. need it to be recorded. People are listening. that about me,
1: too. <laughs> um, I'm very much like Lindsay. I don't have family, and this place is my family. Without it, I would be so alone. So alone. Um, and also, what I really, really love and what I think makes me so comfortable here is that everybody here is just a human being. I mean, there are no perfect people, and there are, there's nobody that pretends to be. Um, and so you can feel comfortable with everybody here, even as failed as I am. We all are, and everybody loves you anyway. That's it.
0: God, God bless me with a new knee, and it's really
2: working.
0: <laughs> no, uh, I guess one, one of my biggest things that Harmony has helped me change in my life is bringing me closer to the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit has given me a lot more patience than I used to have. And my wife even says, Harvey, since you started going to Harmony, you're, you're a better man. I still got a long ways to go. She said, you still got a lot of stuff to work on, buddy. But that's what I wanted to say. Thank you. We're all right there with you, Harvey, so don't don't sweat. Who else? I'll echo first a little bit of what Lindsay said because the first time we came here it was automatic welcome and automatic love in this place and it was just great but what's happened over the, the years that we've been here is that this place is a safe place it's a place where we can express our love for one another it's a place where we can express our gifts where God is nurturing us and helping us to, to serve him the way he wants us to serve him And that is just such a blessing because the the point of any church is to bring glory to God. And in this place, we're free to do that. We're free to be the people God wants us to be and bring him praise and glory. I just love that about this place. Anyone else? I was uh, was given a word by someone uh, right before we really began the service, and the word was divided heart. I don't know what that means, but I'm guessing someone here does, and that may become more apparent as we get into this message. So uh, just keep that in mind, divided heart. So just to do a little bit of a recap of where we've been over the past couple of weeks. Two weeks ago, we started this off by really talking about what our vision is, right? And I kind of went through our vision statement and talked about uh, the elements of that, that we want to be you know, dynamic and spirit-filled, that we want uh, to be a multi-ethnic church that is big, that number's in the hundreds. Um, that's kind of our vision, that we want to really have an impact on not only the town that we're in, but really in our, uh, com- an entire community as well. And that we would do those things through unconditional love, acts of service, and expressing the full expression of all the spiritual gifts. And I really wanted to emphasize that point because that really says that everybody has got to be involved. Because not everybody has all the gifts. And so we need everybody to make that vision a reality. The whole thing, not just the full expression of spiritual gifts, but all of it. And then last week, we talked about giving. And we talked about giving in the the greater sense, not just giving in the sense of monetary giving, but in terms of the four things that I I talked about at the end. Your prayers, your presence, your gifts, monetary, and your service. Those are the things that God is really expecting that we are to give to our church family. And today, we're going to talk about community. And what I want to look at is, what does it look like when we function as a community, when the church actually functions and operates as a community? So let's pray, and then we'll get into that. Lord God, I just thank you. For this message, I thank you for the church. I thank you for the Big C Church, as well as our Little C Church. Father, I just pray your blessings upon uh, all of them, all of these bodies that are meeting on this day across this country and across the world. I just pray for unity amidst the diversity that encapsulates all of those bodies. Bless this message that it would be heard, not only with our ears, but with our hearts. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, the first thing in regards to um, this idea of community is this. A church is supposed to be a unified community. That's the way it's supposed to look. Uh, And to make that point, I've chosen some of Paul's words here in a couple of different places. The first one is from 1 Corinthians 1.10. And that says, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind, and the same judgment. So a little bit of a backstory here, if you're not familiar with uh, the Bible so much. But in the letters to the Corinthians, Paul is writing to a church that he, he that he founded or helped to start. Um, and uh, he did this on his second missionary journey, if you look in the book of Acts. And so he this is about eighteen months later when he's writing this roughly. And the reason he's writing it is he's heard they got some issues. (laughs) We all got issues, but this church in particular had some issues. And so he's trying to help them sort through this and to bring truth into the matter of the issues that they've got. And the biggest thing that he's addressing here right at the beginning of the letter is the fact that they're arguing amongst one another, thus leading to a lot of division in, in the body. And so he appeals to them essentially in three ways. He first of all says, or tells them, they have to agree with one another. Second, that they are to eliminate the divisions. And third, that they're to be perfectly united in mind and thought. Um, So each part is really saying more or less the same thing, right? The church in Corinth needs to eliminate the divisions that are sort of tearing them apart. Now, in that particular case, the divisions were sort of amongst. Uh, they, when you read them, they seem kind of silly, because what he says is that there are some that says, "Well, you know, I was baptized by Paul," and someone else says, "Well, I was baptized by Apollos," and someone else says, "Well, I was baptized by so and so," and so it's this kind of silly, like so and so's better than somebody else, that they're all sort of fighting over. Right And that they're following this person or that person, and what Paul says is, "No, you guys have got it all wrong. you're supposed to follow Jesus, right It's got nothing to do with me or Apollos or anybody else. It's about following jesus so that's the that's where he's trying to kind of help them understand this um, that they've got to become like minded and he says that in a couple of different ways. Now, the interesting thing is that Later on, he tells them that unity does not imply uniformity in all matters. Okay? He points it out in Romans and Second Corinthians in particular that there's a lot of room for disagreement on secondary issues within the church. And we see that today, right? One church may believe... Um, that foot washing is a sacrament. I think the Church of the Brethren is at least one that I'm aware of that considers foot washing a sacrament. Well, most of the rest of Protestant Christianity does not see foot washing as a sacrament. They see it as um, just a, something that you can do that has some real significance, but it doesn't, it's not raised to the level of Holy Communion or Baptism, which are the two sacraments that we do recognize. So, but that's okay. It's not like we're going to shun them (laughs) because they see that in that particular way because that's not an essential, right? That whether you believe foot washing is a sacrament or not has nothing to do with whether you're going to go to heaven or not or your relationship with Jesus. And there's a lot of those things. You know, we could talk about the way some churches see the spiritual gifts. And that, you know, if they don't believe in them, that's got to be okay with us. Once, as long as we're not discussing those key elements of uh, our faith, right? God the Father, Jesus the Son, the presence of the Holy Spirit, and so forth. So it's okay um, to disagree on certain things. But when we come together as a body in particular, it really is important that we sort of set all that other stuff aside, you know, disagreements that we may have with one another, and focus on what really matters. And that is, first of all, that Jesus Christ is Lord. And second, that he has called us to a mission to be light in a dark world. That's the important stuff. That's what we need to focus on as, instead of all these other um, silly things. So, we sort of understand that the church is supposed to be a a unified, united community, first and foremost. Now, here comes the hard part. (laughs) It's up to each person to make sure differences do not cause divisions. It's up to each one of us to make sure that differences do not cause divisions. And for that, we're going to look at another of Paul's letters, his letter to the Colossians. And what he says there is this, starting at verse 12. Put on, then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and, if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony." Our church verse. So this is saying that if we're going to live together as a genuine spiritual community, then our model for behavior which should be all the time, but especially here, has got to be Jesus. Right? We've got to have the character of Christ in us, and that has it well, it has to be in us, but it has to be exhibited through us. It's not enough to have it in us if you're then going to act like the devil. That's not, we're not sinking up there. And what does that look like in real life? Well, It means that when someone in the church has some kind of a problem, that you need to have compassion for them. That you need to look and see, is there any way that I can help? Maybe it's just praying for them. But it's treating others with that kind of compassion. It means that when someone in the church is rude to you, you are kind to them. Not a lot of smiles there. That's a hard one. I'll admit. But that's being Christ-like to somebody else. It means that when we serve, we don't serve because it makes us more notable than someone else, because it makes us appear more special, because everybody gets to see, hey, look at me, I'm doing this. Uh Uh-uh. If that's why you're serving, then you need to find something else to do, because that's not serving in a way that's um, honoring God. That's serving in a way that's honoring you. And so we've got to serve in such a way that it's expressed with humility and meekness, that the others are better than I am. That's got to be your attitude. Remember the story? that Jesus told about the man who comes into the banquet and the one man goes right to the front and sits there? And he says, no, you need to be the guy who comes in and sits practically outside the room so that the host of the party will then come get you and say, hey, friend, come up and sit closer. That's the attitude we're to have. This phrase, to bear with one another, that might be harder than the rude thing because to bear with one another means that you are going to have to be okay with those people that we call e g r s do you know what an e g r is extra grace required <laughs> and don't look at me like you don't there aren't any of those people here let's be we're, fran just got through saying we can be real here right there are, there are people in your life, and it may not be always here. I mean, there may be somebody that you work with, or uh, somebody that you go to the gym with, or whatever, that's just kind of one of those folks that, f- for whatever reason, they always just kind of grind your gears a little bit. Well, you're supposed to bear them and not let that affect you. Bear with one another. And then to forgive implies not just a momentary thing. To truly forgive in the sense that that, that, um, Paul is talking about implies continual, unconditional forgiveness of the problems, irritations, and grievances that occur. Yikes. That pretty much means everything. You know? Nobody likes that. We all were like, no, I'm so so justified in this anger that I've got, and I'm not going to forgive them because what they did was wrong, and blah, 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 blah. Well, yeah, maybe you are right. But I'm sorry, the Bible says that that's not the right attitude to have. That we're to have forgiveness. And remember, the point of all of this is the fact that we're trying to build a community that can rely on one another. that stays united, that's united towards the vision that we've talked about, that is united around honoring God and working towards achieving the mission that he's called us to, that he's called everyone to. But each church has sort of a particular or special way that they're called to exhibit that. And so that's why unity is so important. And then finally, it really just means wearing that idea of love at all times. And in this instance, the way the, the phrase is used in the Greek, the way Paul describes it, love is like a putting on a belt that just sort of binds all of those things together. So if we're like putting on various types of clothing, and then we put a belt on that sort of just binds all of that to you, that's what this idea of putting on love is trying to express. It's a belt that holds all of those other virtues in place. Right? You can't do those other things if you don't have love as the basis for it. It's not gonna work. Might work once or twice, but over the long term you can't do that without love. And then finally, It's critical that we discern the body because community starts with Jesus. Interesting that Jesus' name got such a nice bit of praise during our worship time. And what do I mean by discerning the body? Well, I want to look at one more verse, and that's in 1 Corinthians 11. And I'm going to read you the verse, and then I'm going to kind of give you some background to explain it. Verse 1129 says, For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. Now, as you see, this verse is from chapter 11. And chapter 11 as a whole is where Paul begins to take the Corinthians to task once again on their lack of unity, but this time in regards to their celebration of the Lord's Supper. Right? He starts to, to tell them essentially that they're just acting terribly when they get together for this supper, that there are some that are kind of pushing their way to the front and grabbing all the food, and then there are others that may get there late, and they're uh, poor, and they have nothing to eat. And so there's this whole thing, and and it really kind of boils down to almost a status thing, where the rich are sort of exerting what they believe are their rights and leaving the poor to the side. And it's in that context, after he criticizes their behavior, and he explains the significance of the Lord's Supper, that he then makes this interesting statement about discerning the body. So what does that mean exactly? What does it mean to discern the body? And I think from research that uh, there's two possibilities, and I think both apply. I think, first of all, Discerning the body means that we give due weight to the church as being the body of Christ. That, And that's what the Corinthians were not doing, right? They were sort of, it was all about me, so I'm just going to get what I can get, and everybody else is on their own. So they were not discerning the fact that they were part of a larger body and that unity in that body is important, and anything that they're doing that is somehow breaking that unity apart is wrong. And then secondly, I think to discern the body means to recognize that when we gather, the special presence of the Lord is here. Not just when we gather as a community, but especially when we gather to take the Lord's Supper. Now, I want to make that real for us today, that concept of community. And I want to do it, since we're talking about Holy Communion, I want to do it in the context of Holy Communion. So, go back one. So, we're going to do Communion little bit differently today. I'm going to bless and consecrate the elements as I normally do. And then I would like for all of us to gather around in a circle, just make a circle around the center section. So down these aisles and across the back and across the front. And I think that should probably accommodate all of us. And then I'm going to start with the plate and the cup and I'm going to offer communion to whoever it is that's standing next to me. And then once they have taken communion, they're going to turn and offer it to the person next to them. And so on. We're going to just go around the circle until everyone has had the chance to both take communion and to offer it to someone else. And when you present the elements to the person, you simply say, this is the body of Christ given for you. This is the blood of Christ shed for you. And I'm even going to put the words up there on the screen. So all you've got to do is take a quick peek at the nearest screen, if you forget, and they'll be right there. And if you've not taken communion with us before, I want to explain how we do this. Uh, it's, it's very simple. When you are presented with the plate, you just take a piece of bread from the plate, you dip it in the cup, and then you consume it with God's blessing. And then after you have a chance to sort of digest that, then you will take the plate and cup from the person next to you and offer it to the next person. We do practice an open table here at Harmony Vineyard, which means that everyone, whether you're a member or a visitor, is welcome at the table as long as you believe in Jesus. And if anyone is wondering if it's legal or not for you to serve communion, uh, let me assure you that it is. I can find nothing in scripture that limits this to um, ordained clergy or members of the staff or particular teachers. I just don't find it there. There may be other denominations and uh, Aspects of the church that limit that, we do not. And if you can show me where in Scripture it says that we're supposed to, to limit it, then I'll change my opinion, but so far I can't find anything. One last thing. If for some reason you don't wish to receive communion today, that's okay. But I would still ask for you to stand in the circle with everyone else, because that, in my mind, just further, further demonstrates that even despite some differences, we still maintain unity. And so if that's you, if you would just prefer not to for whatever reason, um, when, when, you are, when it's your turn to be served, just say, no, thank you. Uh, take the plate and the cup and then offer it to the next person with those words. And if you do need uh, gluten-free elements, we have that. Uh, when it's your turn to be served, just raise your hand. And I'll bring that to you. We have them up here. Okay? And then once everybody's received, um, we're going to, uh, I'll just say a prayer, and we can be dismissed to continue to engage in community. How's that? So let's pray. Father, I just give you thanks and praise for this sacrament that you have given us, that we might celebrate it as a way of remembering who you are, and what you did for us. And so we recall that on the night that you were to be betrayed, you took bread, and you offered it up to your Father in thanks. And then you broke it, and you gave it to each one of your disciples, as you said, take this all of you and eat, for this is my body given for you. And when the supper has ended, had ended, you took the cup, which was the third cup of the evening of the Passover Seder, the cup of redemption. And this too you lifted up before the Father and asked him to bless it. And then you turned to your followers and you said, Take this, all of you, and drink, for this is the cup of my blood, the blood of the new and everlasting covenant, blood that was shed for you and for many, For the forgiveness of your sins. So whenever you eat of this bread or drink of this cup, do so and remember me. So Father, I lift these elements to you now of bread and cup, and I pray that you would consecrate them now in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, that you would make them to be for us truly your body and your blood. Let this simple meal be that which sustains us spiritually as we continue to walk with you. Guide and direct us in all that we do. We ask this now in Jesus' name. Amen. And I will say, Will you come, but will you gather?
2: This is about it. And this is the blood Broken and poured out For all of us And in this communion We share in His love This is the body And this is the blood Blood The body. This is the blood. This is the body. And this is the blood. blood And in this community This is the the blood. This is the body. This is the blood. Is the body. And this is the blood. blood. and in this communion we share in his love this is the body and this is the blood Take for granted the sacrifice that set me free.
0: i had the opportunity to sit here and kind of look around the circle as you all were, taking communion. And it occurs to me that there is probably not one of us that is not an extra grace required in some area of our lives. <laughs> At least to somebody else, you may be somebody else's extra grace required and not even <laughs> realize it. But john what John came up and, and said to me uh, just a moment ago was something he believes that the father says to him, and that is that he wants us right now just to take a look around this circle and notice how different everybody is. i don't think there's anybody here that could pass for the twin of somebody else. <laughs> And that's just on the outside. The differences that you see on the outside, that's only magnified probably a thousandfold by what's on the inside in terms of our differences. And yet what what God says is, I love all of you. I love each and every one of you exactly the same. Each and every one of you is my favorite. And if that doesn't seem possible, then you take that up with God. See if he doesn't agree. So if we're not all afraid of germs I'd like you to take the hand of the person next to you. This is what unity as a body is supposed to look like. And so get this picture in your head. And keep that in mind as we interact with one another. Despite the differences that are going to come up, it's inevitable, it's part of life, it's the way God made us. But he didn't make us to to be angry with one another and to hold grudges and to do all those things that we have such a great tendency to do. It's okay to have the differences, but don't let them divide us. Father, I just give you praise for this picture that you have given all of us this picture of what a United Church family looks like. Father, the next time we may be tempted to be um, a little touchy with someone or they've done something that we don't particularly care for, bring this picture to mind. Help us to remember that we're not perfect. That is, as Harvey said, that we're all on a path, on a journey to being better people, to being better servants of you. And to give each person a little extra grace as they need it. So bless this community, Father God. Guide us as we try to achieve the vision that you have laid before us. Go with us as we leave this place into the world that is dark and let us be that light. We give you thanks and praise for that opportunity and lift all of this up before you in the mighty and holy name of Jesus. And all God's people said,